Hi everyone, this is Saud Masood and welcome to episode number 9 of the Saud Masood podcast where we share, learn and grow together. In today's episode, I'd like to share some thoughts on how to start a business and I've compiled a list of seven high-level questions that one should think through before one looks to start their entrepreneurial journey. But before I get into these seven questions, the one question I get a lot, and I want to get it out of the way before we, we deep dive, is that do I need an MBA or a certification in business to start a business? And the simple answer is no, you do not need a degree or a certification in business to start a business. These help, they help you conceptually at times, but I think the learning that you get in the field, on the fly, dealing with customers and suppliers in real time, I think that's really where the education comes in. And you can get there in six months to a year without having to take on student loans, without having to dedicate two to three years of your life. So in my opinion, and I'm not judging anybody, I myself have an MBA, so I, I, I'm not in, in that position to um, you know, criticize the degrees. But the point I'm making is that if you have to start a business, do not think that a degree is a must. All right. A degree in, in business administration is a must. All right. So let's start with the first question. In my opinion, the most important question that you can ask yourself is why do you want to start that business? This is a compass question. And what I, what I, by that, what I mean is that this is a, this is a question that's going to guide you all along when the times get tough, when the fog thickens, so to speak, when you are dealing with customers who perhaps are not paying you on time, but you have to make payments to your on your salaries or everybody's on your payroll. Uh, maybe the competition is squeezing you out. The stress that you're taking on running a business is, is, is cannot be underestimated. So in times like that, you need to know why you started this business in the first place. Was it personal freedom, financial freedom, both? Was it because you just wanted some extra change on the side as you were... Um, you know, you had some time after your full-time job, nine-to-five job, or was it because you put everything on the line, your entire savings on the line, and your stakes are extremely high, and your family is dependent on this business, and there's no other source of income. So it depends on the level of risk that you're taking in your life, the commitment that is required of you, and 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 I personally think the deeper the why goes the more personal that why you start the business is um, the more resilient you become and i think the, the more you are motivated to persevere through the ups and downs okay so make sure you write that why you want to start the business on a piece of paper so you have it in front of you when times get tough and things get muddy and like i said the fog thickens so you need to see that on a piece of paper and remind yourself why you're in it in the first place Number two, what is your business's value proposition? Now, this is a fancy MBA jargon, if you will, value proposition. What does it really mean? All it really means is, what are you bringing to the table that is different from your competitors? That's it. Are you inventing something new, which is quite unlikely? Are you innovating on existing business models, which is probably the case. Uh, For example, if you are running a burger joint, so why is your burger better than the, the competitors? Uh, does it taste better? Is the customer service better? Is the ambiance where we're sitting 
and enjoying this burger better than the rest, you need to be very clear, just like you have to be clear in your why for your business, you need to be very clear for why your business to the customer. So this is this why is really for the customer. So when I say, what is your value proposition? That's really like, why should the customer pay for you, your product or your service? All right, let's go to question number three. What is the addressable market? Now, let me explain what addressable market means through an example. There was a young boy who came to me last year, a young man, I would say, and he said that I want to start a t-shirts business. So when I asked him what the addressable market was, he said, well, anybody wants to buy t-shirts. So clearly that's not an addressable market. An addressable market is a market that you are targeting and you have to put a number on it. You have to quantify that market. So I asked him, okay, you're making t-shirts. What are these t-shirts for specifically? Well, for young people. What's the age age bracket? Well, teenagers. All right, good. So you're selling t-shirts to teenagers, boys or girls or both? Uh, no, boys mostly. Okay, you're selling it to male teenagers. Okay, where? Worldwide? In the region? Domestically? In cities? Where are you selling? Oh, only, only, only this city. This particular city. Okay, great. How many male teenagers are in this city? He did some run around, he got some stats and he shared it with me. But to make it simple, let's just say he came up with a million male teenagers uh, that he could sell the t-shirt to in the city. I asked him, how much does one t-shirt cost? Um, and he says, costs about 80 rupees. How much are you willing to sell it for? He said, I'm going to sell it for 100 rupees. Okay, your sales price for the t-shirt is 100 rupees. There are a million potential customers that you're targeting, that you're addressing. So 100 times 1 million is 100 million rupees. 100 million rupees is your addressable market. So you see how we are able to uh, put a number on the scale of the opportunity. That's basically the back of the envelope exercise you have to do sometimes just to understand what the market is or what the size of the potential market is. It doesn't have to be the case that if the market is big, it's good. Small markets that are growing fast are better than big markets that are growing nowhere or are actually declining. A lot of big markets, bulky markets have a lot of competition and they're oversaturated. So it's, the, the answer is not you have to be in a big market or a small market. The answer is, what is the market and is it growing or is it declining or is it flat? So understand the addressable market. Number four, what is the margin profile? A lot of people get confused on this question as well. So let me put it this way. Let's say there's a cement company and then there's a software company. So a cement company that makes, you know, puts cement out there in a bag let's say a bag sells for 100 rupees, they will take home about five rupees in profit. So revenues minus all the costs and expenses, they're left with five rupees in profit. So their margin is five divided by 100, which was the sales. So profit divided by sales as a percentage, that's the margin. So they have 5% net margin or profit margin. If you look at a software company, for the same 100 rupees, they could be taking home 50 rupees in profit. So 50 divided by 100 as a percentage would be 50%. So the cement company is making 5% margin, the software company is making 50% margin, and for different reasons. Cement is part of a saturated market. There's a lot of cement providers. 
um, and they have a lot of volume. There's there's millions of homes and construction being done. And for software companies, this is this could be uh, the fact that they have made the software, but now to sell the software, all they have to do is copy the software. So there's no more in additional costs. When you have less costs and the revenue number stays the same or grows, then your margin grows. So you're, you, you can, in one business, you can have low margin. On the other business, you can have high margin. So the low margin business, for the same amount of sales, you take home less profit. For high margin business, for the same amount of sales, you take on more profit. Now, as competition grows, high profit margin businesses start shrinking towards lower profit margin businesses. Okay, so you have to think in terms of what kind of business profile do you have? Is it a high margin profile? Is it a low margin profile? If you are, uh, let's say, cutting somebody's hair, you can charge a certain amount uh, and it's going to be a fairly modest margin. But if you're uh, you know, operating brain surgery on that person's head, clearly the stakes are different. Clearly the, the, the expertise requirement is much higher. So a surgeon can command a much higher margin for this, for, for this kind of service. So understand the margin uh, because that will tell you whether your business is um, can can command more profit or cannot command profit. So you need to understand that. The, the fifth thing is, do you have access to capital? Now, this is, this is a very important point because, you know, a lot of people say, look, we're going to bootstrap our operations, meaning we're going to tap into our savings. We're going to be, you know, we're going to uh, mortgage our house, you know, uh, and, and we're going to get everything that we have into the business. So you can be funding or providing capital on your own, you can be going and getting a loan, or you can be going and engaging investors in your business. And each of them have positives and negatives. Uh, if you're putting everything that you have on the line, then that's a high risk maneuver. If you're taking on a loan, that's that could be low risk, that could be high risk, depending on the kind of interest rate and, and the kind of, you know, the, the, the limitations that you have from the lender. If you're bringing in investors, well, um, they may, have claimed to a percentage of the profits. So let's say if somebody comes in and says, look, I'll put in the money and you just put in the work and we'll do it 50-50. So meaning I'm 50% shareholder of the company and you're the other 50% shareholder. So when you get profits, let's say you get 100 rupees in profits, he gets 50 and you get 50. Now, a lot of people are not comfortable with that. They wanna be able to claim you know, most of the profits. But when you have investors, you have to share the profits. So you understand that you can get you can the money in the end you could get would be the same, but the cost of that money or the cost of that capital would be different. If you use your money, there's a different cost. When you use a loan, that's a different cost. When you bring in an investor, that's a different cost. Okay, and I can get into. I mean, we can talk about this for um, hours on how to structure capital for your business, but that's for another episode. Building off this. This fifth question is the sixth question, which is, do you want to go into this business as a sole proprietor or do you want to go into business as a partnership? And like I said, if you're on your own and you are 100% owner of your business, you make all the decisions, um, you live and die by the sword, so to speak, uh, you take on all the risk, you take on all the profits. Now, when you have partners, you might have to give up some control, some decision-making, uh, but then you limit your upfront risk in terms of not putting all your money yourself. There are other people who are also taking part in the risk. 
Um, so you need to know what these partners are bringing to the table. Some partners bring only money to the table, the capital partners. They only bring an investment to the table. I'm saying only, it's, it's a lot, but some bring an in investment. Others bring in expertise and some bring in network, meaning they can have uh, doors open up for you and, and help you grow your business. And a lot of times you give them shares in your company as as, a, as an incentive, as a reward. So you have to think about how you want to run your business. Do you want to give them shares or do you want to put them on some sort of a payroll? Because that's very expensive, especially in the early years when you're giving away um, you know, cash to people every month. Um, that's a very high risk maneuver. So what a lot of people do is they have to part with some shares to, to incentivize different type of partners to be part of your team. So you have to think through do you want to be the end-all, be-all sole owner of the company or are you comfortable with sharing it with others and perhaps still retaining primary control, but let's say still retaining 51% shares, but giving the other 49% to a group of other investors, partners, experts, um, and business developers. So think about that. And the last one is the success rate of competitors. You need to understand why certain companies are succeeding in the market or the industry that you're in and why others are not. And the knowledge has to be very local. You have to understand the local dynamics of demand, of operations, of labor, of, of supply chain, all these things at a local level. Because for any business to succeed, just saying it's a great idea or you know the owner works really hard this is not enough. You really need to understand all the factors that come into play. And these factors have to be local factors. You can't just assume something hap happening in San Francisco, California can be applied um, down in Islamabad capital territory in Pakistan because the dynamics change quite dramatically. Um, the, the labor supply and the quality of supply and, and the tax regimes and all of these things can, can vary. So you need to understand why certain people, certain competitors that you're going into, uh, assuming that you will have competitors, they are succeeding or have established themselves. So you need to have a good feel for the formula to succeed uh, and, and especially look at the ones that have stepped into the market in the last two to three years. And, and they will give you a better feel for how to position yourself. And uh, so that, that helps you with your due diligence at a, at, a, at a first glance. So these seven questions will hopefully get you to start thinking at least uh, in, a, in a more comprehensive way, capturing everything from market dynamics to your uh, internal compasses, right? The, the whys, the why you want to start the business. and and also challenge your business model. What do you bring different to the table? Can you charge higher margin for that uh, or not? Is it a big market? Is it a small market? Do you think you would need more money outside of your savings? And who do you trust to bring in? And so these are some of the things that need to percolate in your head for for a few weeks, maybe months. And um, and in your conversations, hopefully you can use them to build a better narrative around your story, your business model. Uh, your your pitch to customers, um, to investors perhaps. And yeah, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. And uh, hopefully in the future, I will do some additional episodes on each of these seven 
questions so we can have a little bit of a deep dive and give you some more color. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Till next time, I wish you all the best and look forward to catching up very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.